And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. It is a great honor once again to welcome back to the show Larkin and Amanda Rose. I have to say that these two individuals, they are more or less the doctor and Mrs. Dr. Phil of the freedom movement because every time... The darkest moments happen. We all think we're going to fall into tyranny. And Lark and Amanda will do a video, and it kind of like pulls us out of the fog. And it's pretty awesome because it's like you just when you think things are going to get really bad, you, you, you make these really powerful videos. But uh, Larkin is an author of The Most Dangerous Superstition, a book I highly recommend everyone get. and highly recommend everyone take his course called Candles in the Dark, which is phenomenal. Larkin and Amanda, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having us again. Well, thank you. So before we uh, ask you some questions, can you just talk about your latest film that you have coming out called Jonestown Plantation? Uh, how did it start? What are some of the main ideas and what kind of impact do you hope it'll have on the world? Well, Jones Plantation was a little animated thing I did like 15 or 16 years ago. It's like 10 minutes long. I just wrote the script and other people did like little illustrations and somebody else actually recorded the narration for it. And it's basically just an analogy of like, imagine there's a slave plantation and, and the slaves are getting uppity. Well, what do you do to make them not uppity? Because like the, the usual way of, well, just hit them harder. Like at some point that's counterproductive. So in my little animated version, somebody comes in a Mr. Smith to explain to the slave owner if you want to actually control them, you need to basically enslave their minds, not just their bodies. And so he goes through that. Well, down at Anarchapulco three, four years ago, three years ago, I think it was, um, I met a guy named Andrew Treglia, who was interviewing me for a different thing he was doing. And he's a director. And it was actually his idea to make it into a full-fledged movie. And my response was, A, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> and B, <laughs> absolutely, that would be awesome. Oh, for anyone who wants to see the original animated one that uh, it's based on, it is on YouTube. You can just look up the Jones Plantation and it's a little 12 minute long black and white animation. Right. But we get, it's so much more intense and involved and in depth when you're using, you know, real people and you can get into the characters and stuff. So it's, it's, you know, anybody who knows the animated thing will definitely recognize the plot and see where it came from, but it isn't just a longer version of that. It is, I, I, I think it's going to traumatize people in a way that's going to make them realize it. Be traumatized. Well, I'd love to get with candles in the dark. The, one of the biggest takeaways I always bring this up to people, especially, you know, discussing, you know, freedom is that you always say that. Okay, well, you don't want to, you don't necessarily go there to, to win the argument. But you want to put that little nugget in their head. Hopefully it'll grow out there. Yeah. So with Jones Plantations, is this something where you're putting a nugget in their head? Is Or is this more of like, okay, well, it's a full-fledged attack meant to shut down or shatter cognitive dissonance. Because I wonder if at this point, if people are so ingrained into the system, so ingrained in the statism, especially as the system has gotten more erratic, more corrupt, if they're, if you're kind of a, dealing with a race against time to kind of do something that will forever hopefully shatter their cognitive dissonance. Well, I was going to say, I was going to say candles in the dark is like, you're gently, and I like to use the analogy of you're just, you're pulling the thread that slowly mm. unravels their statism sweater. And this, this movie is more like grabbing <laughs> them and going, <laughs> and throttling their statism so hard that they're going to be left going, yeah. Oh, crap <laughs> but I, I i think the power in this movie yeah it's not this isn't going to be that gentle or pleasant unlike candles in the dark but i think the power in it isn't that we sit there and tell people you're so dumb and you're blah blah, blah mm-hmm. is i want them and this is pretty dang unusual for a movie i want them to watch it 
and have some part of them realize that they probably would have been on the wrong side and they would have been cheering for the bad guy and they would have fallen for it because in the movie version, you get to see what the workers, the slaves that are told, now you're free and you're workers, um, what they get to see, but you also get to see behind the scenes and and see Mr. Smith talking to, to Mr. Jones and explaining what they're doing and all the slimy thing going on. But I want the average viewer to realize he probably would have fallen for that. Just the same way that, you know, people now can go, oh, tisk tisk about Soviet Russia and Nazi Germany. And yeah, most of them, you would have been cheering for the bad guys <laughs> because yeah. you would have fallen for the propaganda. Like now you can look back when we all know that, yeah, that was horrible and authoritarian. But in the moment, the reason tyrants get any power is because lots of well-intentioned gullible people fall for it and cheer for them and so the weird thing about this movie jones plantation is i actually want people to realize instead of going rah 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 i was on the side of the good guy i want them to go i probably would have been on the side of the bad guy <laughs> and then you go out and live their life and go oh crap i probably am on the side of the bad guy because as they start to recognize oh yeah this is real life mirrors what i just saw in that movie in a hundred different ways so do you think that that is a more effective way of communicating uh, the, the freedom through a movie as opposed to speaking to them? I'm just curious, like, what are some of the most effective ways that you've discovered, at least when making the film, that tends to weaken a person's cognitive dissonance, that, that tends to make them more receptive to an idea that maybe there's something that they've been generally opposed to, um, not necessarily because they, they, they did it rationally, but because it's been ingrained and they've been indoctrinated for so many years? Yeah. It, well, as you may have noticed, I like to try 50 different attempts of 50 different, you know, techniques and approaches. Um, sometimes I, you know, I do knock down, drag out debates and then candles in the dark is the exact opposite where it's all the way gentle and bringing out of somebody what they really believe in. I think uh, entertainment like this movie, if you can make it actually be an interesting story that's going to, you know, catch people's attention and and entertain them, which I think it totally will on its own like aside from from what i want them to get out of it i think that's and, and i think that the socialists and commies have known this that's a very good way to sort of get past people's defenses because you're not there telling them you're evil you're just telling them a story and along the way they can sort of notice things and go hey hmm, huh, and they don't mm -hmm. feel like they're being preached at or, or or attacked because they're not in the movie. They're watching a story about somebody else and they can decide like what they think about it and what they think about the different characters and, and what they think they would do in that situation and stuff like that. It's just sort of a more comfortable setting for most people to think about that stuff where they don't have to feel like they're on the spot because they're just kind of observing. Um, I was going to say that too, that a lot of your um, most successful stuff you get, like he gets feedback from it the most would be, his videos he's done that are like animated videos on YouTube, like the tiny dot. If you yeah, love that one, um, the Jones plantation, those are some of like the more common things we constantly get, you know, feedback from people saying, you know, this changed my life or this actually got through to me and made me give up the belief in authority. And then, and then furthermore, I like to encourage people by pointing out that one of the reasons humanity's come a long way towards being more and more anti-authoritarian in the, last few decades is because some of the most well-done movies have been disturbingly highlighting how bad authority left to its own devices can get and some great examples are of course the lord of the rings movies v for vendetta the matrix movies and other things like that that you know yeah people don't necessarily all the way get out of their cognitive dissonance when they go on their day-to-day -day life but it starts to erode people's notion that there's there can somehow be a centralized group of of all powerful people that just mean well it sort of starts to disintegrate that the hunger games is another great example of um of i think movie are that did a lot to further the anti-authoritarian vibe people are starting to sink into more. Yeah. And I think something that will make Jones Plantation stand out from all those, even though it also shows, you know, here's what people with power can do that's really mm -hmm. nasty, is it actually shows the specifics of what they precisely do. Because in a lot of movies, there's just the big bad tyrant who goes, I have armies and I'm in charge. You do what I say. Well, that's not how it works in the real world. 
in the real world, there are manipulations and there's divide and conquer and there's all the, the psychological games they play. Well, we show those psychological games. And I think even normal people who've never thought about this stuff, they're going to watch it and all the terminology and all the tricks when they go out in their daily life, the first time they see a political like campaign commercial, I think they're going to go, oh, crap. <laughs> like I, Because it's so specific in showing how the game that they're in works. Like, I think they're going to go out and go, oh, I didn't leave. I'm still on the Jones plantation. Bummer. Well, you know, I thought it really shocking. I mean, speaking about something the manager said about, you know, you mentioned V for Vendetta. It literally is about, you know, government that creates a virus, you know, in order to enslave people. And you would think that enough people would see that movie and automatically go, aha. And all these films that we see throughout history, they're always about, oh, can you imagine a world where there's a dystopian totalitarian government that wants to control all aspects of your life? And be like, yeah, I can't believe it. And it's here. And it's like, geez, like, when the hell are you going to wake up? When the, I can't believe that people don't even, like, recognize this. I mean, when the whole thing with COVID was going on and this thing was happening and the level of stupidity was that such an uh, unprecedented rate. I could not believe that a majority of people just went along with it. As a matter of fact, I, um, I want to bring something to your attention that in December, Christmas Day of 2020, I don't know if you remember this, but you uh, you both got on the, a call with me. And I was because I was really upset about what was going on with the mask because I was I so didn't want to wear the mask anywhere, but I felt physical violence all around me i felt that people were ready to snap at this point and you you were you were my candle in the dark kind of guiding people out of there and um that's why i'll always be grateful and thank you for that phone call but um coming back to the question is that how do people see all these films and that's not have the impact and what do you think your film is going to do that these other films haven't been able to accomplish well in all those other films it's so easy for people to watch a uh, either a fictional or a historical story about some other tyrant. Like it's not the one that they live under. It's mm -hmm. not, it's not where or when they live. So there's nothing in their indoctrination that says they're supposed to feel loyalty to like the prime minister and V for vendetta or whatever, whatever office right. that's chancellor, whatever the heck his name was. So they, they haven't grown up their whole life like being taught that they're supposed to bow to and respect chancellor what's his face or the you know you know all the bad guys in all the movies so they can have this completely irrational disassociation of like yeah that was horrible let's go about our life oh don't forget to pay your taxes and obey this law and obey that and like they don't they still don't grasp the principle and they, yeah, a lot of them are too dense to notice the patterns of like, this is kind of the same thing and you don't notice. I have a story from my youth that I can actually relate to this. Like it's, it's just to hearten a little bit because even when we're young and brainwashed, art can affect different people differently. And I think some people really do have basically more ingrained brainwashing than others. And so it might take them longer or maybe they don't get out of it. Um, when I was only, I think 18 is when V for Vendetta came out. So I had just graduated high school or I was about to graduate, I think. And I was with my at the time boyfriend and we went to go see it. Now, keep in mind, we'd both been raised like by default, we were just Republican. That's like, that's the team your parents are on. But he had very much done all this. He'd basically ingrained his brainwashing real deep by he had done all this political reading to sort of back up all his confirmation biases and try to teach himself as this young teenager why he's supposed to be right leaning and why the right is right. So we watched V for Vendetta and I didn't know till the end of that movie, we were having two different experiences of the movie because as I was watching it, I very clearly felt that it was about me, the individual wanting freedom and every individual wanting freedom. And there being people in the world that if they're allowed to get out of control, want to take that. And that's all I saw. I didn't see the movie as particularly demonizing a form of government or being left or right leaning. And I left like emotional and I was in tears over the movie and I was like, wow, that was powerful. And I thought this is about people coming together to realize we're not free and we're going to do something about it. We're not going to take this anymore. And he was all upset and he was in a huff. He was like, and I, and I, I'm like, why didn't you, why didn't you like that movie? And he's like, he's like, because it showed the authoritarian powers as being like, overtly you know they were government but they were overtly expressing from a like a side of religion and they used god and this was clearly 
what did he say? He was like, this was clearly a left agenda to demonize the right. And I was oh, like, wow. huh. And he's all, the kid's only 18. Keep in mind. So we're just kids, you know, and I'm, and I'm looking at him going, and I, and he said that and, and none of what he said convinced me. It wasn't like, I was like, oh yeah, you're right. I was like, I think you are a little too deep in your worldview and you can't see this for what it is. I didn't say that to him at the time, but that's kind of what my brain was thinking was, I think you're so in your confirmation bias. Now everything is an attack on your version of government. And I do think that the more brainwashed someone is, the more they can make a version of government be like, well, that's not my version of government. My version of government is the good kind. This is what happens when the wrong version of government is in power. That that brings up an important distinction, which is that it's easy, you know, because people get tricked into, you know, forming two gangs and yelling at each other while both of them are being stomped on by a ruling class. And so often it's easy for people to think, well, you're attacking my club. Your club's the bad club. My club's the good club. And so somebody could watch a movie and, and think that, well, that was just about making fun of the kind of politics I want. And the thing in the Jones plantation is it isn't portraying you're a bunch of bad people or you're a bunch of bad people. It's you're a bunch of people who mean well and you got duped by a bunch of liars so that it isn't attacking them. And it, it isn't even saying this, but it's showing the game with the hope that they're going to go, oh, crap, the, the team that I've been cheering for we're not they're not there for us they're not there to help us and the people i've been mad at and that that very specific we even have democracy in the movie and that very specifically comes out of turning worker against worker and having them mad at each other and playing that game and i want all those people instead of being mad at the other side to realize wow me and that other guy i've been mad at we both fell for something really horrible and once you see through it the game doesn't work anymore well, I hope it has a very powerful impact. And Larkin, when I watch your videos, and I watch you, you know, you know, Amanda's videos. I always have like four or five questions of each one because I, I think that they're very provoking. And one of your recent videos was talking about this idea. Of your videos was about, okay, well, you can't legalize murder. We want to have murder be legal. And I'm and going through my mind. I'm thinking, okay, well, if we have, what is the comparable difference between a ruling, a ruling elite? that kind of runs society. And then you have a culture where you have a, a tribe of people that all decide they want to live one particular way. They say, well, we're all going to adhere to these values and beliefs. And then you also have at the same time, you've got these elites that want to control everyone. Is culture or being become part of a cultural group, is that an affront to individual liberty from your perspective? Do you think that culturally uh, being part of a tribe that has values that you, you want to believe in is that necessarily a fraud, even if it doesn't compare to other people? So as long as you're not infringing upon their, their freedom. Yeah, I don't think it inherently has to be good or bad. Like if somebody, the the problem with authority, and this can even be in a cultural setting, like you can have a culture that says, you know, yeah, if somebody gets caught stealing, we chop their hand off or something. And I might say, well, that's a little overboard. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's if that's what they do, that's what they do. And that doesn't mean it's okay. But if the culture says, oh yeah, every year we throw a virgin into the volcano to like, okay, that's definitely not okay. (laughs) Okay. But when people make up a set of rules outside of themselves, whether it's, you know, a ruling class or a culture just says, well, we believe in this religion that we do this weird thing. Whenever anybody is trying to defer to something outside of themselves, instead of relying on their own conscience, that's the real threat. So if there's a bunch of people who all say, well, here's what we think about, you know, if you attack us, here's what we're going to do to you. Here's where, how we're going to defend ourselves. Cause that's just what we believe. You know, that's cause you know, that's what our conscience and our judgment says is justified. I'm not scared of that. Like that's hardly any threat to the world. Even if people have different levels of like how much they would retaliate or like, so to me, the entire threat, whether you're talking about a little tribe or a giant empire, is when people say, well, personally, I wouldn't do this, but the rules say we have to. I mean, that is the cause of the vast majority of injustice. Yeah, there are a number of individuals who will on their own go and commit aggression and and rob people and do nasty stuff. And the rest of us have to defend ourselves against them. But way more evil and injustice comes as a result of people 
following the rules when their conscience says that's messed up, but Hey, that's the rules, whether it's from my culture or my religion or a ruling class. So I'm going to go do what I think is wrong because I'm supposed to obey authority. Like that is a way bigger threat than the individually nasty people. Right. And I do think that culture can be like, if you remove governments and the belief in authority and you just have every, you know, little communities everywhere, um, you know, it comes down to the fact that we don't all start as adults. We start as children. So whatever the elders in any culture are, it could be a tiny community in the middle of nowhere. If the elders of that community, if the parents of the children in that community aren't encouraging or allowing a safe, literally a a safe environment for people to answer to their own conscience, and that means the freedom to question anything and how it's done and ask why, or is this the best way, then what you have is you can have small scale stuff that's going wrong just because as soon as people feel like I don't get to defer to me at all, or I can't, I am not allowed to ask these questions. I have questions or I have concerns, but I can't voice them. Then you have the tyranny of the majority. It can be the tyranny of the majority in your household. It can be all the five people outnumber me. And I think I'm under somehow a threat of ostracization or physical violence if I don't conform to that and and so that's why i do think ultimately and you know this is getting very big bridges for humanity but ultimately it comes down to valuing truth above all else and also valuing the right to question because that is actually fundamentally let's be real that's answering to your conscience to answer to your own conscience is to be able to ask questions about what's going on and to question whatever currently has been accepted as the right way. So no matter how much your little tribe might say, well, we've been doing this thing this way for this long because we thought it was right. It's going to go in only in a wrong direction and do bad things. If the youngers of that tribe, the, the young kids that are being raised in it don't feel like they can ask questions or challenge that with their own conscience. So yeah, I do think you're right that, that even though the belief in authority and the belief in government is the most rampant, most damaging version of that today, if you remove all of that, it still places the responsibility on individuals to care about truth and to guide the, the next gener- generation to question and to care about truth for themselves too. Yeah. And if there's reasons to do things, then people, but if the reason is because I said so, yeah, that's never a good reason. You better give me a better reason than that. Yeah. I love your answer, Pat. And I'm looking because when I grew up, I mean, I was born in the late seventies and I, I had a different kind of upbringing in terms of um, going to school. I remember this, I mean, there wasn't a push for this, these gender studies and all this other stuff out there. And we had a gentleman who came on our show a couple months ago, his name is Jason Kristoff. And he was saying the reason why they're trying to traumatize, uh, they're right, trying to push this stuff out to kids is because they want to traumatize kids. They said that once people get traumatized enough, their default position is to obey. He said, that's what, that's what it is. They want to inflict trauma on kids younger so they can obey. So based on how you both view the world, Although, Larkin, I think, Amanda, you seem to be both very hopeful that humanity is moving towards a world where we no longer have to worry about authoritarianism or the state being a part of our lives. At the same time, you do have pretty significant pockets of the population in certain states that are, it seem to be indoctrinating people at a rapid pace. Um, So what is your perspective of that? Do you think that, is there enough of the statism out there and some of these uh, Others, sorry, is there enough push for authoritarianism in some of these other states that could pose a significant threat or a slowdown to the overall progression of humanity leading towards a stateless uh, society? Well, I think there's two big things, and it's one that's very easy to notice and can be very like scary and discouraging is watching day to day the insane crap that authoritarian regimes try, whether it's warmongering or the indoctrination or, or you know, all weird cultural stuff that they're trying to, you know, divide and conquer in a million different ways. So like that's very real and it's very destructive and they're doing that all over the world in different ways. The bigger the the bigger factor to me is, well, what is the overall mentality of humanity? And the funny thing is, right after we're done here, I'm running off to record some of a seminar I'm making that, that covers the fact that hum, humanity has progressed enormously in recent centuries. And it's it's easy to lose track of when you're looking at the day-to-day insanity they're trying, like when it's all out war, like literally thousands of people are trying to kill each other. 
it's hard to look at that and go, yeah, that looks like progress. <laughs> no, it's horribly evil. But even in that, there is uh, evidence of progress, such as you can't just tell your people, we're going to go kill them and steal their stuff. You have to say, they're a threat to us. They're the bad guy. So all the propaganda, all the BS that the ruling classes have to do just to get to people to fight in a war is actually a good sign. I mean, obviously, it's not a good sign that they still get away with it. But the fact that they have to do that now, because even soldiers don't want to be aggressors. They want to believe that they're defending against the bad guys. They want to believe that they're the good guys. They're not. But the fact that it takes that much propaganda and misinformation just to get them to fight a war yeah. actually shows progress in the overall human mindset that people don't want to be at war anymore. And I do think it's worth pointing out that you kind of have to, it's so hard, like you said, when you're bombarded by the crap, you have to sort of intentionally go and look at the good that's been happening. And it's like all the way back to, was it like Vietnam? Americans were very aware at that. A lot of Americans were very aware that the government was trying to drum up excuses to for war. And so when people fell for that or participated in it, um, Americans had nasty responses. People were coming, the soldiers were coming back from Vietnam and being shot at by their own Americans on streets and stuff. And people were angry. And the propagandists knew and were aware, and they discussed this, you know, behind closed doors that, you know, we have to do, we have to push a lot more uh, and we have to make Americans, we have to, you know, pull off a false flag. We have to do this Pearl Harbor thing, this 9-11 thing, or else Americans aren't going to want to go to war. They're worn out on this. Every they, they, There's enough generational trauma and history here that people remember that this isn't good and this isn't good for anybody. And it's mm. clearly, you know, our respective gangs trying to pit ourselves against each other. And then the other thing that I like to point out is there's one very, very big factor some people keep forgetting that changed the whole world. And I think it actually counts as a form of balancing equilibrium. And that is the internet because humans have been trying very hard to communicate with other humans as fast as they can around control freaks. And it started with radio and then went to telephone when it's a, then we have the internet. And that is because humans knew if we could just get out our information to other people, if we could just tell the rest of the world what's going on here then we could help other people learn and understand that this isn't okay. And that's where that started. And I think that while you have authoritarian indoctrination happening right now, you also have this thing that anyone can log on to in the first world, at least. And now the second world is getting more and more access to it where people can go, let's go and find the information out there. Let's see what's been caught on camera. Let's see what's been declassified. Let's see what history is. Where am I at in the timeline? And then they can figure out that they're a byproduct of indoctrination. They can deprogram themselves using the internet. And then they can start to heal their wounds using the internet and the information on it. And I do think as long as we actually have a form of global communication, we actually have a way for humanity to balance out faster than ever before in history. And the control freaks under, understood like over a hundred years ago, if you control the information, you control mankind. That's why they bought up all the newspapers and they bought all the television channels. Well, I, I appreciate your answer. There's this, I used to go to a website called DuckDuckGo. I used to use the search engine and I, I no longer use it because they, they, they decided to do, you know, to, sensor i was using the start page and then they had an issue with that and i i know that there's a difference if you type something in bing or google you get different results so i i feel like all the search engines the big ones are being tampered with and they're they're, they're giving you false information even the the ai chat gpt if you try doing something on that it'll always give you like a pro status perspective so yep. i love the idea of like doing this but are there any places that you both recommend where you can get you know, true information. I know uh, some people like to meditate. They say, well, I'm going to get the information in that particular way. But I feel like you have to be very vigilant with it because as somebody who does this all the time, I can tell when they're manipulating it. So I'm just curious. Yeah, you, you do. But And there was, I don't remember the name of it. I just saw another search engine pop up that says that's advertising and say we don't censor anything we actually have a search engine and every time they stomp one and buy it out or do something another one appears and it can be tough to keep up with it and it can take effort to try to keep track of what's going on but again the fact that they have to do that at all and the fact that a lot of people are noticing like by the time the censorship isn't hidden anymore it's not really doing them any good 
Like if everybody knows that you're controlling all the information, then everybody is already aware of the attempts to manipulate. It doesn't mean, you know, there aren't still people falling for it and, and biased by it and stuff like that. Um, but the funny thing is a thing I've said for years, and I'm going to have to change it now, the difference between Pravda, the indoctrination, you know, machine of the Soviet Union and the American media is that all the Russians knew Pravda was BS. They all knew it was propaganda from what I've heard. Well, now almost everybody in the country knows that the mainstream media is propaganda in one way or another, too. To, like, to the point that I'll point out, what used to be mainstream isn't anymore. It isn't. What, what was yeah. once called mainstream media doesn't get as many views on YouTube as J.P. Sears and Russell Brand yeah. get. Joe Seriously. Rogan has up. more viewers than any show on CNN. Like, that's hysterical because people are like, we don't believe you anymore. And the, the polls they do show, yeah, people don't believe them anymore because they know they're lying. And the thing is, if a liar, you know, if a liar's intended victims knows he's lying, he's kind of out of a job. Like, if that many people know you're completely full of it, mm -hmm. like, you're falling apart. And so they're desperate attempts to like censor everything and crush this and which are resulting like lawsuits and everybody pointing and resulting in other platforms appearing and going, well, over here, over on Rumble, you can say what you want about this stupid thing. And the fact that that's happening in public means that they're losing. And even though in the short term, the desperation is annoying because, yeah, trying to you can't just go to Google if you want to actually <laughs> learn what's going on because they're squelching the hell out of it. But people know that. And when they have to come right out and be this blatant about their attempts to control information, even a lot of the normal people, and I've talked to a bunch of people who got on the bandwagon pretty recently because they're like, yeah, this kind of caught my attention. This is messed up. Even they're noticing because those in power are so desperate and outlandish in their attempts to control thought. I want to take you guys back to 2020 when this whole thing started with COVID. I remember some of the first people that came out and they were completely against it. You both were against it. And I know uh, Gerald Salente was talking about it. Berwick was against it. James Corbett was so far ahead of the curve on this one. And uh, Larkin, I used to listen to your podcast you had on ConnectPal. I used to listen to it all the time. You do a, one of these, you know, your rants. And I, I used to watch and listen to that as I was walking through my town that was completely locked down. And one of the things you'd said was, okay, they, I can't believe that they they made this uh, launch and they botched it so bad. They turned so many people against it. So I'm curious, from both of your perspective, when you look at where things have gone, when, they, when they're trying to push, they're trying to lock everyone down with COVID, when do you think was the turning point towards freedom? And looking at that turning point, where do you foresee another turning point that will go ahead where we'll actually be turning closer towards freedom again in the face of all this uh, collapsing tyranny upon humanity? I think it's actually been ongoing the whole time because what I said at the very beginning is because I'm looking at it like a chess game and I'm like, that looks like a big scary move, but it was colossally stupid, <laughs> not because it will immediately fail because a bunch of people go, well, I guess it's for health and safety, so I guess I'll go along. But because in the long run, and you're seeing exactly this now, the truth is going to come out and they've just been admitting one thing after another. Oh, it doesn't stop this. Oh yeah. That was way better than this. We shouldn't have done that. We lied about this. We covered that up. We censored that thing. Like one thing after another. And in the long run, if you're a tyrant and you're piling out propaganda that scares people, but in two years, they're all going to know you were lying your butt off. That's not effective propaganda. Like short term, mm. it sort of is, but through right. the last two or three years, I've watched just person after person after person after person jump ship and then talk to me. And I know a bunch of people who are now voluntarists who weren't until the middle of this ridiculousness. And they started to go, something's horribly wrong and started to look into things and think about things. So it's it's an ongoing process of people escaping the, the myth. But the, the ruling class is sort of forcing people to question it way faster than they would have otherwise. Um, there's something really important to point out too, is, is because the internet and the one of them, the financial prosperity of America in recent years allowed for like e-commerce, the internet, it allowed for like a greater wave of young millionaires than ever before. Right before the scandemic stuff was happening, cryptocurrency was allowing people to trade in different stuff. Um, so remember this very important thing I'm going to say, birds of a feather flock together. 
So Americans started to have freedom of travel and freedom of where they want to live. Like they could just pick anywhere on the globe they wanted to go. And this was happening more and more in recent decades. So there are entrenched communities all over the United States where they've maybe been kind of the same group of people. But a lot of the actual, what is called the United States of America is a bunch of pocketed subcultures that have started to become hyper clicky. So people started to move to their favorite town that had the best vibe they like, the best whatever, the best people, and become very much more like distinctive groups of people that think different from this group over here, think different from this group. So what we call the United States of America is very much a melting pot now. And then you have lots of travel and influx of, of immigration from other countries. So even what was sort of homogenous whitey for a bit is definitely not that now so this is important because when the scamdemic went down a lot of people were having on the ground very very different experiences and this is important because in arizona whole different vibe than in, in some places in the west like montana wyoming other places whole different vibe than other places where that culture just kind of went uh-oh I was told to do a thing, I'm going to do it. And if you were on the ground in a town where a bunch of people obeyed, then your perspective would be really different than mine in Phoenix, where the mask thing kind of didn't really stick. And when they really tried to push it hard and attempt it, it effectively lasted for uh, weeks. Like I can count on my hand the number of weeks and people were all the way fighting back like getting in the faces of and being violently nasty to people that tried to Good. all the way force it on them at like Walmart and Home Depot and some of the grocery stores where the actual employees who, by the way, aren't paid enough to tolerate customers getting pissed at them like this. So very quickly, to enforce like, authoritarian and I realized I grew up in Arizona where as I became this person growing up in Arizona, I was living in a state where everyone could look on the internet and find out which is the most free state to live in, which state has like no gun laws hardly, or like lots of gun freedoms, which means I have been growing in a, living in a state and growing up in a state that was becoming more and more filled with types of people who just don't like being told what to do. Even if they're at the end of the day, a little bit, they'll vote left or right. If their individual attitude is, you ain't going to tell me what the heck to do, then that means when a bunch of people suddenly start to act like they have the right to tell them they can't leave their homes and they have to put a thing on their face. I live in a place where I'm going to watch a bunch of people resist that. And overnight, a bunch of movements blew up people were forming together to like swarm grocery stores without masks just to make a statement the businesses in arizona like the business economy is one of the most resilient in phoenix arizona and so is the cash economy so a bunch of the business people in arizona were taken to the internet and forming groups and going well this is an obvious attempt to hit the business class and the kneecaps f this we're just going to call the governor and threaten his life repeatedly and all of the local politicians lives until they back the heck up and our governor uh governor Ducey, we like to call him Governor Ducey for fun. But Ducey was the one that initially was like, y'all have to wear masks. And he puts this mandate on. And then two months later, two months later, he comes back and goes, actually, mandating masks is now not allowed. And you can't mandate the vaccine. You can't do that. And it's not that he turned tail because he's suddenly had an awakening of conscience and he's a great guy. I'm pretty sure his people were like, Bro, they're gonna they're they're gonna you're gonna have people at your house. They're gonna kill you. You need to stop. You need to back all the way up because I know Arizonans and I know I know me and I know my fellow Arizona friends that have done this sort of thing. People were really 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 nasty, and people have to remember that politicians are just people too. They're people who they're the most cowardly people. They want a comfortable life. They definitely don't want their family and lives and money threatened. And so the minute that people actually get nasty and won't take authoritarian control, it starts to erode. And it wasn't just Arizona, this was happening. So I started looking at all over the country and I realized this response is super pocketed. Some places it really locked down because people chose to let themselves be controlled there. And that sucks for those places. But a lot of places were like, you are absolutely not going to do this. Yeah. And it's good to look at all around the world where essentially the the control freaks tried to do the divide and conquer thing again of making people go in their homes so they don't go outside or go travel or go find out what's going on on the ground in other places because i bet if one town here knew that this town over here was revolting and not taking it they might have been inspired to not lay down and take it and one of the most important indications which is just amazing and so encouraging is in the last couple of years, the number of 
sheriffs and police chiefs who have just come right out and said, we're not enforcing that law. That's stupid. Even in freaking Illinois, where they yep. tried to do the assault weapons ban, yeah, remember that? Talk about the majority that. of county sheriffs are like, nah, we're not doing that. You know, That's their enforcers turning to the rulers and going, no, we're not doing that for you. You're not allowed to do that. And here, when they tried the lockdowns, at least a couple Arizona sheriffs, like Yavapai County, which is north of us, immediately came out and very publicly said, no, they have no right to shut you down and we're not shutting you down. I'm not doing it. None of my none of my deputies are doing it. We're not playing it. Obviously, there's still statists. When you get the statist enforcers saying, yeah, that's too authoritarian. We're not doing that. Crap. <laughs> like, that's bad for the ruling class. It's good for freedom. But that's happening more and more where we're. Cops are even saying, no, this is ridiculous. And partly that's also self-preservation. And sometimes they even mention like, this would unnecessarily put my officers in danger. In other words, if we tried to shut you down, some of you are going to start shooting at us. And that's Um, the thing is you're not, if you're not going to get authority to back off on conscience, because you're not, then that's where, you know, vigilance towards freedom has to be there. You have to resist because it's going to be the the threat of them getting, you know, attacked back and defended against that. But it's going to make them back up. Whichever the motivation is, if their own enforcers are going, uh, you know what he just said, we're not doing that like don't get mad at us we're not enforcing that that was ridiculous that's that's an authority figure telling you that the higher authority figure is full of bs which is just an amazing thing to have happen thank you i remember you, you did that and you were saying how many people uh, the sheriffs that decided not to do it I, I think it's happening in california some places like that as well yeah but even california you know, i know california. It's, it's, it's yeah come yeah it's, it's pretty well but you know I love the, uh, I totally believe in the principle of non-aggression and all, but at the same time, is there any kind where it's justified to do it? I mean, when it comes to uh, authoritarians, should you be very nasty to them? Because there are people that are around in my particular area, and if I see someone wearing a mask, I see them wearing, a, like, having a kid with a mask on, I just give them, like, a dirty look. I, I do whatever I can to, to to not be nice to them, and I feel like I don't I don't want to do that. I don't, it's not my default position to be a jerk. But in some ways, I just feel like, you know, if I'm not doing that, I'm how I, I want to stamp out that kind of behavior. So yeah, uh, you is, don't want to accidentally condone it. Yeah. I mean, is it um, is, I, I want to I think I'm in a, I'm at a crossroads because I, I do want to stand for freedom. But at the same time, I don't want that kind of I want those people to know that that kind of behavior is just despicable, especially when yeah, they're it's a kids. tough call, because if someone's just kind of ignorant and clueless and they yeah. think it's doing some good, like I can't. I, I'm not going to hate someone for being stupid. Like it, it's mm. sad when they're like making their little kids do it. They're basically pointlessly yeah. torturing their kids. I might even be nice about it, but I might say you're literally torturing your child for nothing. Like, look it up. The masks don't do any yeah. good. And they're very traumatizing. If you want to do it on yourself because you don't know any better. Okay. Stop torturing your children. And so in a lot of cases, I just let people do the dumb thing and then point out, that it doesn't do any good. But I think, again, in the long run, even that, because another gigantic meta study just came out that says, yeah, the mask didn't do any good. Yeah. It did exactly no good anywhere. The, 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 and there was already a huge one of them, and they just did another huge one of them. And so all the people that fell for it, and you can see it tapering off, I think in the long run, it's actually, it's an educate it's an educational opportunity for the rest of humanity to go wow they all did that and maybe i was one of them for a while and then i figured out why am i doing this this is stupid and unnecessary so it's sort of it it seems to be a process that that people have to go through and so most of the time i try to be patient if somebody's imposing it on somebody else like little kids that pisses me off um but if they're just falling for crap and I might just drop like when they when they stopped enforcing the mask thing, like all the big chains said, we're not enforcing that anymore. So I, like I go to Home Depot without a mask on. There's two people, employees wearing masks facing the other way at the entrance talking about, oh, someone just came in without a mask. And they were like, because they obviously fell for it. And I walk past and just go, you know, if you want, I can give you the address to the study that show the masks don't do any good at all. And they were both just like, eh, all terrified of me. I was like, they literally don't do any good at all. That's what the science actually shows. Like, you're allowed to wear them. But they were just so traumatized by the fact that given free choice, a bunch of people think what they're doing is stupid. And unfortunately, that's how a lot of people have to learn. 
because they don't know how to think independently. They have to watch the herd change direction. And the herd very much changed direction in a lot of places, you know, in, in mm. Arizona, it very much did from, I guess we better wear masks to this seems sort of stupid. Never mind. In a bunch of places, it didn't take like Yavapai County when the sheriff just said, like the, as soon as the mandates came down, the sheriff of Yavapai County was like, mm, no. And what's really great is the people on the ground in Yavapai County got to learn by having the free will choice to choose at an individual level, like the businesses and stuff got to choose do we want to enforce this or not? And this is really instructive because I got to go up to the town of Prescott and walk through downtown after months and months and months of the businesses there mostly choosing to remain open because the sheriff said, we're not doing that. And a bunch of uh, Prescott actually default sort of attracts anti-authoritarians anyway. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the business owners were like, we're not forcing this on people. They never bought it. They never did it. And then you could walk through downtown Prescott and you could find a few, a handful of individual businesses, like little galleries and stuff. And they were like owned by leftists. And they were the only businesses in downtown Prescott that had like kind of really nasty um, signs that were like, you will wear a mask past the store and it will be over your nose and it will be. And within months, those businesses were permanently closed down. They shot themselves in the foot. And what a great learning experience for all of the people that got to see that play out including the people that shot themselves in the foot and then went oh everyone else's businesses went on to succeed because you know they didn't try to police their customers <laughs> into covering their faces oh and no one wanted to come into my gallery when i tried to force a mask on them well you deserve to have your business closed down Good. and that's one of the things i said early on is a lot of what they're doing with the masks and the shutdowns and trying to mandate this or that they're punishing the people who are most loyal and obedient. And I'm like, you, how dumb does a tyrant have to be to hurt the people who blindly believe him and obey him while the people who disobey him are doing just fine? But that was uh, the outcome. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. I don't understand why they're doing it. I feel that they're going to, I mean, it, I think Bill Gates said, oh, wait till the next one happens. I think they're going to try doing another one. They're probably going to try pushing another uh pandemic or something like that out there but it, it, i was always confronted by people i got confronted in a doctor's office a couple of weeks ago this is a north good old north carolina somebody said i had to wear a mask and they said i'm immunocompromised but the person was like 300 pounds i'm like you know what else is compromised is probably your belt buckle but they all think that because you're wearing the mask that's gonna be healthy so i, I don't know i don't know what's gonna yeah. happen there yeah and it's not that it, see to me that's the thing there's a, a big distinction between People are gullible and will fall for fear mongering. And a lot of people are completely ignorant about pretty much everything. So they're going to fall for fear mongering with or without a ruling class. And most of them are going to have to learn the hard way by watching the rest of the world. Like a lot of the people who fell for it are like, I'm going to wear my mask. You're all going to die. A year later, I know a bunch of them are like, you didn't die. You didn't even get sick. You were fine. You were out there having fun the whole time while I was hiding in a corner and getting sick. Why did I do that? Like they have to learn by example, even if it's their own example. And it's kind of sad that, that we have to go through that. Yeah. But it's still a lot of people, a lot of normal compliant people learned a lot of really important lessons in the last few years that the tyrants should not have taught them, but did like, how to reward people for saying no to a ruling class. Well, and I have friends who the, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but I was paying attention to the died suddenly Facebook groups that were forming and they were forming so fast because we're talking hundreds oh, yeah. of thousands of people in Facebook groups. And then the Facebook would shut them down. So how obvious, like that's the stupidest thing you can do. We're going to just shut down. 400,000 people posting in a group. And by the way, a good majority of them weren't, they weren't like, you know, people who are already awake. It's people who are reporting. They are the people that went and got this vaccine and they're reporting all their adverse reactions, deaths. And it's like the list is stacking up so high that all I have to do is look at the numbers game here and go, this is a high number of people. This was, this wasn't just like, oh, a couple of bad reactions. I have a network that's pretty relatively small. Like we've got 350 million people on this continent and I only have like 3,000, 4,000 people in my network. And Almost everyone in my network 
was affected by this, at least indirectly, either they got it and they had adverse reactions or they know someone who's died or they know multiple people who have died from it. And then I've had to have the uncomfortable experience of having like friends of mine come to me and go, my whole family's like super brainwashed left. And they all thought we were going to get needed to get the vaccine and I didn't get it. And then they talked my aunt into it. And then my aunt died. And now my, my whole family's just like, and they know, they know, it's clear that they know, and they know, mm-hmm. and it's so creepy, they can't talk about it, and they won't talk about it, because they, they can't they even know. admit that they literally advocated for a thing that caused the death of their own family member, and so this is like, this was a, in the face of Americans, like, we all know that's what it was, like, an attempt at a population calling, and what's sad is it took that for hundreds of thousands of people to uncomfortably wake up because their family members have died or ended up with extreme physical health problems as a result of them preaching at them or telling them you have to go get this injection. And so they're brainwashing. So another thing that you don't do if you're a tyrant is again, completely make all of your subjects aware that the thing you told them to go do killed their family members and then make them aware that it's their that guilt is all on them now like they you went and got your kids to do this thing oh now your kids have strokes and are half you know on their deathbed because you thought your kids needed this vaccine and so that was really that this was another thing that i thought well now everyone's gonna know like this is not a fun thing to go through but now everyone's gonna know because there's not a single person I can think of that hasn't been affected by this in some way. And they're in so many different ways. That's one of them. They're just making enemies of their own allies. The ruling class is making everybody their enemy. As soon as any, like Jimmy Dore, total leftist. Now he's out there bashing the left. Russell Brand, you know, came from completely leftist Hollywood. Now he's out there bashing the left because somebody comes out and goes, I'm not sure that's all the way right, you evil Nazi. And they're like, what? Wait, what? And then they look into it some more. And so meanwhile, Tucker Carlson's on the other side from the right getting attacked from from the establishment. So they're just making everybody they possibly can into an enemy. The moment anybody goes, I'm not like Eric Clapton. He goes and gets the shot and has a bad reaction. comes out and says, I had a bad reaction. You're an evil. And like um, Aaron Rodgers and and Cole Beasley in the NFL both were like, we don't really want that. And we want the freedom to choose for ourselves. You evil anti-science. Yeah. They were so obvious about it that they're making enemies left and right of people who never would have been their enemies, never would have resisted. Uh, I don't understand what their plan is. And I, I wonder if they, I wonder if they're actually doing anything that's like positive to, to keep this thing going. But I just want to come back to something you both said before about uh, this, this painful waking up, how these people, they didn't allow you to go visit your family members and see them before they died. It, it, there's just so much that they've done. I don't think that, that I can, I, I personally can't reconcile with, with people who supported that. I don't have it in my heart. I, I know some people can, I'll, I'll never be able to have uh, a forgiveness for, for people who initiated that. And I wonder if that's something that's going to, I don't know, prevent uh, other people feel that way. If that's going to prevent society from being peaceful as a whole. But um, do you think for both of you, do you think that uh, people cannot come to the realization of what has happened because of an ego, because their ego will not allow it because to know that what they've been supporting is so wrong and to face that is so painful that to live the lie and to push it up for as long as possible is a necessity for their own survival well yeah i think that's totally true and yet in the long run i think everybody is going to know the the depth of the lie they fell for already lots of people are figuring out a lot of people are going to cling for dear life no pun intended to the no i was right i was doing the right thing i was doing as i was told but the truth, and I said this at the very beginning, the truth is going to come out. You, if you're lying about something that people will obviously find out you're lying about after the fact, like, we're going to push all these people to do this. Well, all these people did that, and all these people didn't. And afterwards, we're going to be able to compare to see if it did any good. And it didn't. It made everything worse. And when that's going to be the outcome, yeah, there'll be a bunch of people who drag their feet wanting to admit, no. I did what was right. I followed the directions of the CDC and blah, blah, blah. 
And already it's happening and it's going to keep getting worse and worse for them until everybody is going to know. We're all going to look back at the, well, some of us already knew it to begin with, but everyone's going to look back on the last few years and go, that was just a ridiculous atrocity where they just made up ridiculous stuff and just did completely heinous things. And a bunch of us fell for it and we feel bad about it. Like, I, I don't think, I don't think in five years there's going to be very many people who dare to still stand up and go, yeah, they were right about COVID. Well, and I, think- I think by then, you know, there'll be a lot of people like being quiet in a corner, hoping nobody says, hey, wait a minute, weren't you one of the ones who was pushing all this crap? Well, and I think too, like, look at the effects of every time an authoritarian empire has has basically destroyed a whole bunch of its people by fooling them, whether it was with the last biggest world war that was ever had, like, or or any event, it's it's created this massive amount of, I'm not going to pretend that it's not a, there's not um, a growing pains. There isn't like fallout from that. Everything isn't hunky-dory because look what happened. But the growth that happens from that leads to the next generations look back on that and they get removed from it because they aren't directly part of it. They're the kids of that or the grandkids of that. And they can look at it objectively and they do with so much more humility. Every generation goes, um, wow, so way to go, guys. You just helped a freaking Holocaust happen right in front of us. And we have all the data to see you did it. And we, you apparently, a bunch of you could see it was happening right in front of you, just like you know, my generation and the ones of you before me look back at the people that, you know, fell for and served the Nazis in Nazi Germany and go, how the heck did you let that happen? And they were, you know, there was a lot of guilt that came from that. And I really think there will be, there will be generational guilt and the trauma of all these family members lost and the people that pushed people into this. But it's it's ultimately going to be good for humanity because humanity grows from that. And I the one thing I actually have faith in that the the reason you see my eternal optimism mm. is because something I figured out about us is you can't breed freedom out. Every time they try to brainwash it, uh-huh. it they they only prove that they have to get more psychological, more clever, because all people want, it's built into us, is free will. So one of the biggest mistakes they made on this American continent, unfortunately, was telling my generation that we're already free. And then we could grow up and use this thing called the internet to find out that we're not. So now they, they literally created a new whole generations that are new levels of prosperous but also prosperous in a way where we're aware we're on like a big tax plantation and we were fooled so now we're pissed and humbled and we're not going to tolerate you know that it's like that whole we're not going to do that anymore we're going to try to do one better and I think that people get one they get sucked into that trauma of what they've been through and they tend to think oh it's it's never going to change. And I, I like to call that the battered wife syndrome because it's the battered citizen syndrome. It's the, it's the thing of, there's always going to be some all powerful thing. And that's just the feeling of, well, what you've known is all that you've known. That's the same way the people that were dealing with chattel slavery felt, but the next generation isn't going to accept that. They're going to go, absolutely not. Is this how it's always going to be? <laughs> we will be cryptographic hacking anarchists and we will hack everything we have to, to be free. And I think it's important <laughs> to point out that like you're mostly talking about sort of a smaller group of the population and the rest of the population is just a herd that follows. Like it's always... The, the ones that change humanity are never in the majority. The majority follows afterwards after a few weirdo troublemakers who like to think about <laughs> things <laughs> cause trouble say, this isn't okay. That's how slavery ended. Like the yeah. majority wasn't going to end that until somebody dragged them along and guilt tripped them in, into it. And that's sadly, that's kind of how humanity progresses is a few little troublemakers eventually drag the whole herd of mostly unthinking people in the right direction. And it's frustrating to me that that's the reality. I wish like everyone knew how to think and stuff, (laughs) but on the bright side, that's how it always goes. These, the majority of people who fell for this and fell for that and voted for this and voted for that, they're not doing it because they carefully thought it out. They're just indoctrinated and clueless And they're just as capable of being kind of ignorant, but in a stateless society and getting along fine. And so the the small minority of the population that's going to drag them there, they're going to make all the difference. But the entire herd is going to follow sooner or later. And it's 
we've been going in that direction in, in bits and pieces. Yeah, it's frustrating as hell. <laughs> not there yet. But the herd will be dragged in the right direction by the little troublemakers who aren't going to put up with being somebody else's slaves. See, this is awesome. This is pot. This is the positive energy that I'm talking about. I was telling people at the beginning of the show that Larkin and Amanda Rose uh, collectively speaking, they're the Dr. Phil of the freedom movement, because no matter how dark things are, yeah, you get some of this stuff out there. And I appreciate you both being troublemakers and pulling us in the right direction. I want to thank you so much for, for calling our show today. Learn more about Larkin and Amanda by going to therosechannel.com. I want to let everyone know that I subscribe to this. You have a lot of wonderful videos out there. There's also uh, Candles in the Dark, which is a phenomenal program. Highly recommend you take that course. Learn how to communicate with stays. Also, I don't I don't usually ask our audience for favors, but if you can, please reach out to Russell Brand across social media and tell them that you'd like to have Larkin on his show because Russell put out a big thing a couple of weeks ago. He said, who should I interview? And he had about 100 people or 150 people say they want to have Larkin on. So let's just add the momentum because I think Larkin and Russell would, uh, would get along pretty good. So uh, thank you both so much for being with us today. And thank you for all that you do for the cause of freedom and humanity. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our unbelievable guest, and special thanks as always to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Constance Dallas, and our social producer, Jenny Lamisa. To learn more about the Out of Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outoflimitsradio.com. And till the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace. Love and beers. Take care and thank you so much for listening.